BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Joe Biden wants you taxed to the brink, under the thumb of the IRS, and controlled with a digital dollar. That's why thousands of hardworking patriotic Americans are opting out by diversifying their savings with the top-rated precious metals company, GoldCo. Right now, GoldCo is offering up to $10,000 in bonus silver, but only while supplies last. So don't wait. Go to HannityGold.com to learn how to get started today. That's HannityGold.com. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost. My turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. This is Jonathan Gillum back in last week, right before Christmas. This week, right before New Year's. Just call me the holiday man. In for Sean Hannity. And as you can tell, I got a little bit of a cold. But I'm not going to let that get me down. I just got through hosting a week. Uh, Listen, you're going to laugh when I tell you this, folks. Those of you who don't know me. Uh, you need to get a life because you should know me, all right? I'm a former Navy SEAL, uh, a federal air marshal, security contractor, and FBI special agent here in New York City. I've been in media. I stumbled into media about four years ago and um, started hosting for David Webb and then Andrew Wilkow. And then, you know, one day Linda wrote me in over here and convinced Sean to uh, let me host this show. Lordy, have we come a long way since that day. So, interesting thing. I started a show called The Experts two years ago when I was uh, a CNN contributor. Now, my my goal was always to be a Fox News contributor. Um, unfortunately, sometimes things just don't work out the way you want it to work out. And I ended up over at CNN where I thought, I'm going to bring the truth to CNN. And they're, they are going to know me as the truth teller at CNN. Well, that didn't quite work out that way. After about four months, CNN decided they would still pay me, not let me go anywhere, and not use me. So I sat for six months on the shelf at CNN, and I didn't sit there and say, woe is me. I didn't do uh, like a congressman, collect money and not do anything, except for Louis Gomer and uh, and uh, Jim Jordan and a couple other people. They, they, they do their jobs. But I didn't sit there. I didn't uh, run around sticking my tongue down people's throats like Al Frankenstein um, by the way, every time I type that into my iPhone, it changes his name to Al Frankenstein. I think that's interesting. So 
I I spent that time um, working on developing a show of my own, a social media show, because if I wasn't going to get um, the recognition on CNN, I never got that Fox News contributor spot. So what I did was, and listen, I have no problem telling people about my you know ups and downs. I'm an open book. There's nothing here that uh, I'm a full transparency, as they would say in Washington, D.C., Although in Washington, D.C., that's not actually the case. But in my life, I do not uh, hide things from everybody. So I spent two years developing this show, learning when I had made appearances, how the uh, the cameramen worked, learned, talking to how the sound guys and the uh, how the lighting worked, and then being in all these radio shows, the importance of sound. And I'd slowly developed this Facebook Live show, which then ended up being on Facebook and Twitter and then YouTube as they all developed their own live um, streaming capability. So before long, after about a year, I'm streaming on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And I started to develop a following for the same reason I knew, not because I have an ego, but because I know what's missing from the media, is I tell the truth. And I speak in the areas in which I have an expertise. And if I don't, I go get somebody else to come and speak about that subject and their expertise. Um. There's many, many different people that I've had. We'll have some of them on the show today. Scott Eulinger is one of them, former CIA station chief, Navy vet, amazing guy. Bernie Carrick. These are real, you know, Bernie Carrick, commissioner of the NYPD, was a commission, the commissioner of the NYPD in New York when New York was attacked on 9-11. This guy knows the reality, not just of success, but being on the front line of an attack inside the continental United States and being in charge. Not many people can say that. So... I developed this show, and uh, all the while, over the past four years, I've been, you know, jumping on doing analysis for Newsmax. Not a lot of people know what Newsmax is. It's growing in popularity, but Chris Ruddy started this network. He's a journalist, used to be with the New York Post, uh, wrote a book, and I'm trying to remember what it is um, about the uh, the Clintons, and um, but I don't remember what, the, I'll, I'll get the name of that book, but he wrote this book years ago, and then he started a company called Newsmax. And he, he, this news um, network that he started is probably one of the most real places I've ever worked. Bitter Legacy was the name of the book that he, uh, I, listen, again, transparency. I'm not going to act like I just picked that out of my head. I got Linda in there feeding that to my ear. So, so Bitter Legacy, this is going to be complete transparency today. Sometimes you don't need to give away all your tricks, Jonathan. You know, every once in a while you can keep a couple. Yeah, but if I... See, if I act stupid and then do great things, people will be like, wow, he's really rising to the occasion. They'll say he should run for office. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> if he just had a felony, he'd be a perfect fit. <laughs> so, um, you know, Chris Ruddy started this uh, this network called Newsmax, and he developed it, and it works. It's very um, a very tight-knit group of people that work there. And, uh, and I've been uh, guest hosting with uh, Bill Tucker and other people on there, and uh, being in an uh, doing analysis on there, and and they asked me if I wanted to bring my show, the experts that this thing that I developed in my apartment in a studio that I built, uh, and they asked me if I wanted to bring it over for a week and try it out. We just finished that week; it went great. Even my dog Rico made an appearance today on the the Friday show, and we'll see where it goes. I know I'm going to be hosting on Monday, so you can go to newsmax.com, newsmaxtv.com, or you can you can get it on FiOS. Dish, Direct uh, TV, and AT and T. I didn't know AT and T had a cable thing, but I guess they do. So we'll see where this goes. 
but it's another step in uh, the direction of where the Lord has called me and speaking the truth, which I, I'm going to be honest with you, not just because, again, you know, I'm, I'm setting up myself for transparency here, not just because I'm sitting here hosting the Sean Hannity radio show, but because I knew and had met Sean years before. He didn't remember me. Of course, I'm going to remember Sean Hannity, but he used to have a concert series and myself and some other detectives um, here in, uh, that were uh, part of a, a task force in the FBI, we went and saw one of their concerts there uh, down in uh, Knott's Berry Farms or whatever it is down there in Jersey, whatever they have, Six Flags, whatever it is. And uh, it was amazing. And then one of the guys knew a producer on uh, Fox News for his show, and we went and we got to meet him. And this was 2006, I believe it was. And it was just an amazing experience. He was uh, the most genuine person I ever met. He was packing heat on his side, so we all thought he was major cool because all the guys that showed up, you know, we're all Secret Service, FBI, detectives from the NYPD. We're all armed, and so was he. So we knew that if we had to go out and go outside with Sean Hannity, he might get our backs, you know. So anyway, he was a genuine guy then. This many years later, uh, ten, 10 years, basically 10, 11 years later, I'm hosting his show, believe it or not, and he is the same guy. He has not changed. What comes out of his mouth on this show, although all radio and television in some way, shape, or form, which I've learned, and, and he, will write, he will admit himself, has to be entertaining, what comes out of his mouth is the truth. And one thing reflecting, especially over this year, because of the election last year and, uh, and hosting this year when, when the leftist, I'm, I'm not going to say liberals in this country, because I believe there are good liberals in this country that don't want to impeach the president. They don't buy into this nonsense. We're going to have Hori, uh, Hori, we're going to have Ami Horowitz on here just a little bit. That was not Linda. That was me saying that. We're going to have Ami here, on here in a little bit. And I'm talking about how a lot of liberals are just led astray. They're just led astray by um, what they're being told by the Democratic Party and the leftists in this country. So, what I've learned over this past year is a dark side of media. And it's a direct reflection of the dark side of politics and the dark side of big money, the dark side of communist subversion, and the dark side of the deep state, all of which is, is pretty much the same thing. Several times throughout the past year, I've said things on here that were 100% truthful. I said that feminist and the, the, that the Feminism, the movement of feminism, is steeped in communism. It, it's, it was, they have different waves. They call it the, the first wave, second wave, and third wave of feminism. You can look it up and read about the history. Definitely steeped in communist ideology, Marxist ideology. When Media Matters got a hold of that, even though it's the truth, oh my goodness, they just they have to write an article trying to defame me. But see, here's the thing. First of all, I'm not going away. I don't care if I got to stand outside of all these morning shows with a big poster saying this is the truth. I'm like John the Baptist in the desert. I am a voice crying out for you to make your straight your path straight for the Lord to travel, and you can only do that with truth. And so, there's been several other times. One just recently in the book that I wrote, uh, "Sheep No More: The Art of Awareness and Attack Survival." You can get that at Amazon right now. And I was talking about how the people that got killed in Vegas. They got killed in Orlando. Most of these terrorist attacks, uh, the one in Manchester after the Ariana Grande concert, 
the fact is that the the gazelles on the plain of Africa, on the plains of Africa, they are aware of where the lions are, where the predators are. When they have to go to the watering hole, they have to go there. They're aware of the tactics, techniques, and procedures of these predators, lions, the jackals, these vicious animals that, I mean, we don't even know in this world that we live in, in the human world, we don't, we can't even fathom the veracity of those killers. Yet, those gazelles, giraffes, all the other prey, they, they seem to just continue to live in that environment. Because they're fully aware of everything that's going on around them and the attacker's avenue of approach, the vulnerabilities that they have, where something might happen, when it might happen. And I made a comment about the people at these different attacks, how if they had been aware like this, if we were empowering people in this country and giving them this awareness, a lot of them wouldn't be dead. It's a fact. But, of course, Media Matters, I think Salon.com, all these people, they like to um, take, they would literally take one word if they could and write an entire article about it. But they take things out of context. And one thing I've learned after being here is not to sweat it. You know, Sean, Linda, this show has dealt tremendously with them attacking the advertisers and going after Sean personally, Linda. But they just weathered the storm because they are truth tellers. And they don't sway from that. You're not going to see them talking about stuff like they do on CNN where they're just specifically going after somebody. Sean did one of the most incredible interviews I think has been done in modern journalism this year when he interviewed Roy Moore. And it was very telling in my in, in my mind. And I think it proved for all those that you know had any question that Sean was grounded in his beliefs. But if you read what Media Matters wrote or CNN says, it's they're spinning it into something that it's not. I want to start this show off with that in mind, because as we talk about the year in review today, I want you to try to understand the reality versus the spin, because I think that is the biggest story. Hashtag me too. Um, I guess that's, that's a big story. What happened to those women? Uh, I think uh, Ronan Farrow should be given some kind of presidential medal for what he did. Uh, that guy is I believe the person of the year, if any individual did something, it was him. Um, But I think the biggest story is the narratives, the real fake news, not whether it's an apple or banana, but what kind of apple it is. And you may not be a specialist in apples and that's what they count on. So as we reflect on these different things today, and I hope you stay for the whole show. If you're driving, whatever you're doing, I hope you stay there and you listen to what we're saying because we're going to give you the real truth, the real story, just like Sean does on a daily basis, but this is the year in review. That's what I'm going to bring to you today. This is Jonathan Gillum, your resident Navy SEAL and FBI special agent, your tactical guru on the radio, here with you for the next three hours. Go get my book, Sheep No More, The Art of Awareness and Attack Survival. It's available at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. By the way, I have a major cold, so if I say things like Amazon... It's not because I all of a sudden have an accent. I love all of you. Join me for the next three hours. We'll be right back. This is Jonathan Gillum filling in for my good buddy, Sean Hannity, on the Sean Hannity Radio Show all over the universe, number one in everything. 
and it's good to be back here. Make sure I'm going to push this because this is last day I'll be hosting this show this year. Make sure you go to Amazon and get this book, Sheep No More, The Art of Awareness and Attack Survival. This book, as I'll talk a little bit more about it a little bit later, is going to teach you how to divide your life up into sectors so that you can target yourself from an attacker's point of view. No book has ever been written like this. No book will ever change your life except for the Bible, quite like this one. I'm not just saying that. It's getting great reviews. You can see them on Amazon. Sheep No More, The Art of Awareness and Attack Survival. Real quick, I want to go to a call. And by the way, I didn't give out the number. 800-941-7326, 800-941-SEAN. Let's go to Beth in Orlando. Hey, Beth. Hey, Jonathan. How are you? I'm doing good. How, how is the weather in Orlando? It's, um, it's, it's very gloomy, and it's a little chilly. I don't feel bad for you at all, Beth. I don't feel no, bad. No, I, I don't feel bad for me either. In New York, it's like 100 below, it feels like, outside. So what do you got? I got about a minute for you to well, tell me what you got. I got your book, and I've, I've been, I started reading it. I'm reading the, the section on different attackers, Yep. and I'm totally enjoying it. I'm learning a lot. In fact, um, I'm packing as we speak. Not, not that anybody knows who I am. I like that. But... But I feel better about it, you know, instead of feeling like, oh, silly me, got to carry a gun. I'm like, nope, packing. And, um, and so reading how to assess your situation and, and be aware of your situation is awesome. Thank you very much. You got it. And, you know, what goes right along with that is if you can avoid the situation, then, then you'll be able to avoid it because you'll be able to know where, when, uh, and how it could occur, who would do it, and why. You can completely avoid a lot of situations. And then if you have to get into one of those, you can mitigate it. And then you'll know if you ever have to draw that piece, you'll know when you do it and why. And you'll be legally in the right place and tactically uh, effective. Okay, well, I look forward to learning that. Thank you so much for writing a book like that. I plan on handing it out to my entire family. You got it, Beth. God bless you, and thank you for the call. This is Jonathan Gillum filling in for Sean Handy. And that was Sheep No More, The Art of Awareness and Attack Survival. Get it at Amazon. We'll be right back. I'm Ami Horowitz, and I'm back in the East Village, liberal Mecca. The Republicans recently voted on a new tax proposal, and predictably, Democrats didn't like it. But what if they thought that the Republican plan was actually a Bernie Sanders proposal? We presented them with the Republican tax plan and pretended that it was, in fact, Bernie's plan. What are your thoughts? Republican tax plan, good, bad? I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like there's just another excuse for the rich people to get a break on having to pay taxes that the rest of us hardworking people have to pay. It doesn't have much stuff in it for the middle class working Americans, I think. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what, you heard. That's, that's what, you've what heard. I've heard. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it seems like the middle class is going to get hit pretty hard here. Um, they suck. <laughs> they all suck. I mean, there's a lot about the current proposed tax plan that's just ridiculous. So Bernie came out with a, com- with a competing plan. I want to give you some of the deal points and kind of get a sense of what you think of his deal points. Okay. So if you're making $50,000 or less, uh, most family of four will not pay any taxes at all. Okay. Sound I think good? that's a good plan, yeah. Sound good? Yeah. Double the, the child tax credit from $1,000 to $2,000. 2000 What do you think about that? He's lowering corporate taxes uh-huh. from uh, 30, 35% to 21%. Okay. 
lowering corporate taxes. Yes. Okay. If you take out a mortgage for more than three quarters of a million dollars, you're gonna end up paying more in taxes on that. I could definitely side with that. The more money you make, yeah. the more of a percentage of your income you have to pay in taxes. Yeah, I know that people who make a lot of money aren't gonna like that, but like, that's just how it is. Yeah, yeah exactly, right? One percent, yeah. He, he keeps the Obama era tax credits for clean energy. Yeah. He keeps the Obama yeah. era tax credit. So yeah. The, the, oh, 100,000 billion percent. What do you think of Bernie's tax plan? It's fantastic. Do you feel the burn? Do you find those things to be good, bad? I find them to be good for the most part. It seems, seems like a good thing. Yeah, I like that. I think that that's a step in the right direction. I love Bernie. I voted for him. Yeah, sad. I, I miss Bernie more now than ever. Overall, give it an A+. Plus. Yeah. A+. Plus? Yeah. It's all just rational with Bernie, and with Trump, it's not. <laughs> now, what if I tell you these are all in Trump's tax plan? Really? Yes. Oh. oh, this is one of those things. One of those things. What if I would tell you that that's all in the Republican tax plan? Is it? What if it was? Is it? It is. All right. But why aren't they showcasing that those aspects of it then? They should be, right? Yeah. So what if I were to tell you that all of this was in the Republican tax plan? Really? Well, that was, that's really interesting. What if I were to tell you that all that stuff was a Republican tax plan? Oh, wow. Well, then that's... Well, all right, that's, then. Do would you rethink the way you, your position on it? Yeah. But it make you maybe reconsider and take a closer look at it to see if it made more sense? Sure. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Do you think now, knowing what's in that plan, you might be more open to supporting it? Uh, yeah. I definitely am going to look into this because that is not what I expected. This would be the first time I would sit here and say, well, the Republicans might be doing something well. Yeah, I'm curious. Thanks for opening my mind to that. This is Jonathan Gillum filling in for Sean Hannity. Call in number is 800-941-7326. That's 800-941-SEAN for those of you that like to spell numbers. And uh, that was Ami Horowitz, uh, our good friend, who um, is a master at making these videos. I mean, I've seen a lot of these Man on the Street videos. I've even done a couple. But uh, you're a master, Ami, and this was probably... Um, for one thing, it was the calmest one I think I've seen you do. Nobody's getting beaten up, and you're not in a, any uh, neighborhood where there's terrorists. But um, I was surprised at the reaction of these people. Were you surprised with that reaction? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, normally I can predict what how people are going to react to what I do. And in this case, yeah, I was pretty surprised that, that with, with one exception, right, every, everything you saw there was reflective of what, the majority of people's responses were this. In fact, a supermajority. I mean, one person really said, oh, then in that case, I don't support it. Everybody else was like, this thing actually makes a lot of sense. And this wasn't like, you know, left of center people. These are leftists. These are Bernie Sanders people. Yeah. And, when, and when given the opportunity to really understand the deal points take, and to take them away out of the narrative that's been hijacked by the mainstream media, they're like, this makes sense. So, yeah, I was shocked and happily surprised. Absolutely. So uh, where was that at in New York? Because that also was, plays a huge part in this. Yeah, so it, it was a self-selective group in the sense that I went to the East Village, which is dominated by oh, NYU yeah. students, uh, Bernie supporters. You know, it, you'd be hard-pressed to find a single Republican who lives in that area and spends time in that area. Yeah, so, yeah, it was definitely a, a left, much not left of center, a leftist group. That's where, and I, his name just escaped me, um, uh, he's one of the guys that started Vice, um, and he got pepper sprayed there. Oh, is that, is that right? Yeah. He, Shane and, Smith? Nope, nope. The guy with the big mustache and beard. 
uh, used Got to be on uh, late night on Fox. But he went there uh, to ask these per, uh, these students uh, about some stuff. They were you know yelling about Trump and this and that. And he went there to ask him about this. And they had this crazy professor out there because you're right, they're leftists. These people are leftists. Yeah, and 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 I think that we needed. Okay, I think there's two takeaways from this. Number one, that I think we should take heart that this is not you know as divisive as this country is. Certainly, the, we thought economically that we actually can find common ground with people with common sense proposals. And then the second takeaway is that Jonathan, I hate to say this, we failed miserably to explain this. Right? We allowed mm-hmm. the main the CNNs, the MSNBCs, the New York Times to take a hold of this, spin it their way, right? And the most and the one they kept saying over and over again was the rich are gonna are are gonna get all the money and the middle class get hosed. And and it couldn't be farther from the truth. And I felt that we did not do a good job representing what was really in this plan and who really benefited. So I think those are the two major takeaways, at least from my perspective on this thing. You know, I couldn't agree with you more because that is reflective of, and I'm a Trump supporter. I was supporting Trump way before on this show, before Sean even said anything, and uh, before the most people in media had done it um, in 2015. But I have to say, two of his biggest problems is that he continues to use Washington, D.C. recycles and that they don't utilize social media and um, whatever mainstream media they can to get the word out about these things because I didn't even know um, what this tax plan was all about until I I had to have somebody explain it to me. And it's it's actually way better than it sounded. Yeah, there's no question. Even the things like the corporate tax cut, which was probably the most divisive, I, I don't know, you know, of, of, the, of the deal points in this, in this plan. But even then, if you sit down and you tell them, listen, what is this money for? If we're, not, we're just bringing the corporate tax rate to where Europe is, where leftists, you know, the, the Valhalla of the leftists, and saying by doing that, we're allowing companies to keep their money here. Never mind trying to make the argument that a corporate tax cut, more money in their pocket – and we invested higher wages. Forget that argument. Just a simple argument of we want companies who are leaving the U.S. to go to Europe to come back here just to keep it competitive with their, you know, their, their Valhalla of Europe. Just simply making that argument we never did, right? And every, oh, God forbid, when, when, when a Democrat would make this, the case that uh, this, this notion of, you know, cutting corporate taxes and cutting um, personal taxes leads to greater growth, Right. You would see, and they would say, no, it doesn't. You would see a lot of these advocates of this plan kind of almost like turtles, like they're receding their shell. They didn't stand up and say, you're wrong. And they didn't make the push the case that, in fact, tax cuts do lead to growth. They didn't make that argument clearly, forcefully, and we, lo- and we, and we lost it. Now, having said that, I think ultimately history will be the author of this, whether or not this will be successful or not. And I feel confident that three, four years from now, people look at this plan and say, this created an unbelievable amount of growth in this country, and I think we'll ultimately win the argument. I thought we lost it. I really did. So um, what do you think? And it was Gavin McGinnis, by the way, that got pepper sprayed yes, down Yes, of course, there. of course. So, yeah. the, great, the great Gavin McGinnis. What do you think, um, or do you even know, because I don't know, uh, it, let's say this hadn't gone through. Um, and then let's say in 2018, you know, things didn't go the way that we hope they will for the Republican Party. What would have been the outcome of taxes for Americans? Where do you, where do you think that would have gone? And, and, and if we if we lose in 2018, yeah. Oh, they're 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 going up. They were going up. 
I, I think that one of the major things you would have seen, which really would have put a, a break on, on investment in this country, is I think that they, they would have raised the capital gain. They would have probably doubled the capital gains tax. Uh, I, and I think they would have raised the personal tax for, for people making over a quarter million dollars a year. Uh, I think corporate taxes may have even gone up. No, if this wasn't done now, and it will probably hold over for quite a while, but if it wasn't done now, I think, and if we had a, God forbid, a, a, uh, a Bernie Sanders type, let's say Elizabeth Warren, uh, win, win the presidency, because they're not going to have, there's no more moderates in the Democratic Party. Right. So any, if, if, we had, if, we lose, if, we had, if we lose in 2018, we're going to get a true leftist. You, you want to see taxes gone, gone through the roof. I mean, they're, they're going to try to bring it back to where it was in the 70s. So, yeah, I mean, thank God we got this thing done because it would not have been good for us. You know, and I'll, I'll make one other argument. I, the next thing I'm looking for and what we need is entitlement reform, right? That's kind of go hand in hand. And the argument I would make, and I never heard a single person make this argument, this really was the beginning of entitlement reform for rich people. Right. Yeah. We're saying, saying we're, there's a lot of things that were taken away from rich people. For example, um, the mortgage tax deduction, that threshold went up significantly. That's that clearly is an entitlement. Um, the deduction of, of your state taxes from your federal government uh, taxes, which was a very controversial. That's that's an entitlement for wealthier people. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a lot. And I think now we can make the argument when we're looking to cut entitlements in other areas to say, look, the rich certainly we got their entitlements cut back. Now we want to do it for the other side as well, so we can make this country put this country on a stabilized uh, uh, base for the first time in a long time. So I, I think I know what your next video needs to be. It needs to be where you, if you haven't done this already, I talk about communism a lot in this country, and I, I started studying last year Yuri Bezmenov, who's who's dead now, but he was a defector during uh, the Reagan administration from Russia. And um, he talks about subversion in ways I just I didn't realize exactly what was going. On. I just couldn't put my finger on it, but it makes everything clear. I would love to see you um, do a video about the reality of communism, and uh, just like you did with uh, Trump's uh, tax plan, um, actually tell people uh, communist uh, ideologies and see how many of them are okay with that. Okay, so it's so funny you say that. I already shot a video that I'm going to release in a couple of weeks. Now I'm going to, now I'm, I'm, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll preview it. Essentially, the video is I read people a quote, yeah. and they got to tell me if this quote comes from the Democratic Party platform or the Communist Manifesto. <laughs> it's, 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 it was a game show I played for if you want money, if they can get the answer right. It's hilarious. Absolutely. So, yeah, right on, right, you're spot on. And that's, a, and that's, my, enti listen, that's my argument, that the Democrats – it's funny, when people argue, the Republicans have actually become more moderate over the last 10, 15 years yeah. in reality on social issues, certainly. Uh, and the truth is, is the Democratic Party, who has moved to the extreme, and I, I think you're, we're just not going to get another candidate who can even remotely be called a moderate, never mind a blue dog Democrat. Those mm -hmm. things, do not they're, they're an extinct species. Yeah. And I think that if we don't wake up to where the Democratic Party is moving, we're going to wake up one day. And we're going to look, listen, if, I, if there's one thing I don't want our country to ever be, if you ask me what is my life's goal, is to make sure we don't become like Europe. That's my number one goal in life. And the Democrats desperately want us to become like Europe in every way imaginable. And I just think that is, we, we see Europe imploding right before our eyes. And how is that not a lesson to the left? Look, I don't understand it. Look at California. And I keep telling people in Texas, and this is another video you could do, go talk to your gun-toting conservatives in Texas, ask them a series of questions about their belief system 
and then go ask all the people at the top, all the big cities in Texas who make and manipulate the laws. And I think they would be a big eye opener because they're following in the same line uh, as uh, California. I mean, they're becoming liberal at the top faster than you can snap your fingers in Texas. Is that right? Oh, yeah. That's a, sc- that's a scary thought because we lose Texas, game over. Well, it's, I mean, it's. That's a very scary thought, man. Yeah, it's very, very scary. Listen, I love your work. Uh, you know, I met you twice now. I met you at the Christmas party. I think you're an amazing guy. And so I have to be completely honest with you. I called you Hori Amowitz a little while ago. But that is that is your <laughs> that is your pseudonym name now. That's what you're going to have to go under I'm when gonna you. Roll, I'm going to roll with it, buddy. <laughs> when you interview liberals, that's what you use from now on. <laughs> Hori Amowitz. Hey, God. Uh, you're too kind. You're too kind. <laughs> God bless you, brother. Have a great New Year's and, th- and keep doing the work. You too. Thanks, you got it. Buddy. This is Jonathan Gillum filling in, and that was Ami Horowitz, and uh, he's a great guy. Um, we're going to come back. I'm going to get to some of your calls here in a bit. 800-941-7326, 800-941-SEAN. Go right now while we're on break to Amazon or Barnes & Noble and get Sheep, Sheep, No More, The Art of Awareness and Attack Survival. We're going to talk about that when we come back as well. We'll be right back. This is Jonathan Gillum back in for Sean Hannity before New Year's. Listen, I'm going to give you some tips real quick before we go uh, back to break. If you're going out for New Year's, keep your head on a swivel. There's been threats to this country. Don't worry about what the experts say about no known credible or specific threat. Think about the possibility. Don't think about the probability. It's possible, okay? I want to leave you that. We're going to come back from the break. we got a lot more to talk about and reflecting for this year. And while you're on break for the next few minutes, you can go to Amazon. It says it's sold out right now, but you can still order the book, Sheep No More. That's sheep is in Baja. Sheep No More, The Art of Awareness and Attack Survival. Get it. It's not too late. We'll be right back. This is Jonathan Gillum filling in for my good buddy, Sean Hannity, on the Sean Hannity Radio Show. And it is great to be back here right before New Year's. It was awesome being in here before Christmas. And then the time before that was right at at the end of November I hosted right after I'd had this accident on, you know, Sean's always harassing me about my scooter that I rode. I don't ride anymore around, uh, around the city. It's one of those electric scooters and I had an accident and tore my quadricep tendon right off my, uh, kneecap. So I did the show without any pain meds two days after that, made it through and, uh, and then did Christmas. And now we're here right before new year's. 2017 has been an amazing year if you think about it, folks, it's been one of these years where some incredible things have uh, covertly made it into my life. And I'm sure in your lives and in the presidency, he wasn't so covert, but the work that he's done has been covert because either they just can't get the word out and what they're doing. We we're talking about that with the taxes earlier. And there, I do have some criticisms for the president. I, I wish, you know, I, of course, everybody wishes they could sit down with Trump and tell him how to do his job. Everybody, we're all like the backseat drivers for the president, probably because we see him as a normal person. I mean, at least I do. I know he's a billionaire, but I still see him as somebody who's approachable. And he's somebody that's got an incredible work ethic. But I'll tell you where I feel like things are, they need to be revamped. One of them is the way that we think strategically and the way we handle conflicts, whether it's natural disasters or whether it's the war on terror, the war on drugs. Uh, the other thing is uh, he needs to watch what he 
what he information he takes from the Intel community because the reality is, and I'm going to bring my buddy Scott Ulinger on right now. The Intel community is different than the political appointees, and as we've seen in the FBI and the DOJ, the senior executive service members at the very top. They don't really represent the people that are on the ground most of the time, although the DOJ is completely leftist and so is the State Department. But let's ask Scott about this. Scott Ulinger, uh, former, former. Well, first of all, you're a Navy vet. Uh, you right. were a former CIA operations officer and co-host of the podcast, The Station Chief. You're also running for Congress in the, is it the 15th district in Pennsylvania? Yeah, that's right. I'm running for Congress in the 15th district of Pennsylvania. That's right. The, and the only non-politician and veteran running, you know? We yeah. need more folks like that nationwide to help drain the swamp, right? Scott, you think that that would be like, oh, wait, this guy, Ulinger, he's a vet, CIA operations officer, um, extremely well. Don't ever ask Scott Ulinger for a reading list that you might want to read. The thing is going to be a book <laughs> itself. Um, so you think it would be automatic for people just to jump on board and say, I'm voting for that guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually very confident of that. I just got to get the word out. I have to raise the money to get the word out. But I'm sure that when everyone sees that I exist and they see the other choices before them, that I will be the choice. I'm, I'm very confident of that. You know, that's the military instills in us that kind of confidence. But I know that, you know, people everywhere are tired of the same old, same old. It's what you talk about on your radio show all the time. And um, you know, people uh, basically trust veterans maybe better than others, but we're the ones who, you know, maybe potentially sacrificed our lives anyway. And, you know, it takes outsiders like us, non-politicians. That's what you're going to need to help drain the swamp, you know, and we, and we all know it. So let's, uh, tell me this. You know, I, I know you've heard what I was saying while you were on hold there right. about the president not trusting the, um, the upper echelon of the intel community because it's like trusting – the upper echelon of the bureau and the DOJ. What advice, if you could tell the president, or let's say you 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 win your congressional race and you're able to sit down with the president, what advice would you give him on how to circumvent that deep state in the intel community? Well, I know one one good way of doing that, like one way that the agency itself can help police itself, is a lot of times they should they tend they they give a projection of what's going to happen based on information. And then sometimes they'll red sell it, which means that let's let's look at it from a different point of view and put the opposite conclusion. And in other words, like they give one point of view and then they give an alternate point of view. We have to make sure that the intel agencies continue to do that, because what we have learned, as you've said many times over, that the the um, you know, the upper echelons of the agency and not just political appointees and whether it's just this intel, it's all the same. It's also a lot of the upper level bureaucrats reached maturity under the Obama administration. And a lot of that was due to their political loyalties, sometimes to uh, to the detriment of their actual abilities. And so it's very um, he's got to appoint good leaders in different positions like director of the CIA, Justice Department at strategic places that can help that can, you know, rein in these different sub departments of the um, larger government agencies to make sure that this kind of politicization is reversed because it remains a real problem. You know, the hardworking people in the FBI and the CIA remain that. They are hardworking people. And, you know, um, and sure, maybe their morale is suffering a little bit now, but but in a way, morale has been suffering for years that you and I saw morale was suffering for years under the Obama administration, as you saw people elevated due to their not so much due to their professional abilities as to their like political loyalties. 
So, you know, we've got we've to go through, like, it's like curing cancer. It's, it doesn't help your morale to go through chemotherapy, but it's necessary to survive. And that's what we've got to do. Maybe morale has been hurt a little bit by these developments, but we've got to move forward with the cure so that these agencies are healthy once again. But the problem is that that cancer is metastasized, and it is literally, um, it, it's all over the place. And what I see with President Trump was the same mistake that President Bush, 43, made, although I got to be honest, I don't know how much of a mistake it was or if I, I don't want to get into conspiracy theories, but President Bush didn't get rid of the deep state people that kind of came into the government during the eight years of Bill Clinton. He didn't get rid of them. Right. And then those people stayed. And then they, by the time Obama was elected, they're entrenched. Right. That's right. So, so, right. so let me ask you, let me bring on uh, Bernard Carrick, former uh, commissioner of the NYPD, um, good friend of mine. Bernie, I want to bring you in on this conversation because I think what we're talking about with the Intel community and with the FBI, um, a lot of this same type of leftist attitude uh, has definitely gotten not just in in Congress and in representatives and federal government, but also in the the mayor, like the mayor here in New York City is a communist. How much um, of this has affected uh, the local law enforcement and the ineptitude of a lot of these people who've come up through the ranks during these uh, times when these constraints were put on them by these liberal uh, mayors and city council members to the point where um, we have literally 20 years of recruited leftists into our, in our police department. Is that the case? You know what, John? You don't see a lot of that in, in the NYPD and in, in the police department um, until – you get the guys at the highest levels, uh, you know, and it's sort of replicated, in, in, you know, what's going on in the uh, in the Bureau and DOJ. Um, I, I will say, you know, now you have uh, Jim O'Neill, James O'Neill, the commissioner of the NYPD. Jim O'Neill was in the NYPD. Uh, he worked for me. He was a captain or a deputy inspector, I think, 16 years ago. He's come through the ranks. The good thing about O'Neill and the guys that work around him is that they they were there for all the policies and all the programs that were put in place by Giuliani, Giuliani's administration, Bloomberg's administration. Um, these guys only come to fruition, only come to the top, you know, under de Blasio recently. Um, so, you, so you don't have a lot of that. And keep in mind, the everyday cop, the everyday FBI agent, the everyday state police officer, these guys are not usually, you know, these these left wingers. These guys are sort of down the center. They may be a little to the right, but they're pro law enforcement. They're they're patriots. They're people that go out and put their lives on the line on a daily basis for this country, um, and they really don't give a damn about politics. Uh, they don't want politics involved in the departments. So, in in uh, I personally, I think it's a shame what's going on within the FBI. Because it does taint the reputation of the Bureau. And it has nothing to do with the every, everyday FBI agents, the guys, the men and women that go out there and do the job. But the leadership has really skewed the reputation to the point that, you know, you've got to be – and I said this, this the other day in an interview – I, any American, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, any member of Congress, you have to be frightened at this point when you see what's happened. Um, this stuff is an innuendo. It's not allegation. It's not rumor. 
there are actual text messages and there are emails that prove a conspiracy between FBI and DOJ members at the highest levels that basically wanted to interfere with the election. Right. Let, let me. So right. with that thought in mind, Scott, let me ask you this. As a former CIA operations officer and a chief of station, um, you worked uh, in a subversive capacity. You were the operative um, getting other people to either sub- right. subvert other countries or working to collect information about those countries. When you, right. look, when you look at what's going on with, uh, you know, first of all, Mueller turned the FBI into an intelligence gathering agency when I was in there. That didn't do right. anything but benefit the politicians. Didn't do anything to benefit crime fighting or the American people. When you start it with right. that, you start it with um, these people that uh, have worked their way to the top or really were pulled to the top, the McCabe's, the Strucks. Right. Uh, the woman that he was having sex with and texting with, you have this succession of DOJ attorneys leading the FBI who've never been investigators, didn't work their way up. When you look at this, do you see some of the stuff that they're doing in collusion with the media when you have uh, Clapper going out and Brennan going out and being mouthpieces for these lies? Do you see the tactics that you used in other countries being used here by these very people? Sure, that's that's absolutely true. Um, you know, uh, the what we're seeing now with people like former Intel uh, directors Brennan and these such, there, you know, they have these incestuous ties with the media, for example. Or we find out that that Peter Sturzak, his wife worked for Fusion One. I mean, there, there's more incestuous ties than than you could find in like a Harlequin romance. Now, that's not by accident, though. And, Right, it's not, and, and what I'm saying is these certain these ties are also fostered in other countries too, you know. And there's a tremendous amount of backbiting and infighting going on in a lot of other intelligence services and law enforcement, you know, uh, services, you know, that I worked against in other countries. But the problem is, is that these these uh, organizations turn themselves into such. Uh, tie themselves in such knots that they're no longer effective at doing what they're supposed to do, protecting their people. Right. And that's, of course, what both of us, what this, this three-way conversation, we all agree, that's the kind of the troubling part. Because in the end, we need the Justice Department to do something to assist the American people and the CIA. But if they're spending all of this time fighting turf wars and infighting and conspiring against the president, what are they doing for the security of the American people? I don't think that's they, the scary part. I don't even think they care about that. So let me let me flip this a little bit now, Bernie, from the law enforcement side. And I know you and I have had conversation about this before. When I look at this group of people, just this one group, I mean, there's the, the group is actually it's not huge, but it's bigger than just Mueller and Comey and uh, Rod Rosenstein and uh, th- these other few deputy directors. It goes into the Clintons, the Obamas, uh, Loretta Lynch, uh, the, the Samantha or Susan Power that was uh, at the DOD that was leaking the names right. of these people. You have to have, when you look at a criminal uh, enterprise, an organized criminal enterprise, you have to have two, at least a minimum of two crimes being committed by the enterprise. Not, in, not each individual, but they have to be two crimes committed by this enterprise in furtherance of that enterprise. Right. Do you, and that's for a RICO statute, for a RICO well, charge. Well, listen, this is something Rudy Giuliani talked about, I, I think, more than a month ago, six weeks ago. Um, he talked about uh, the possibility of bringing a RICO case against uh, a, a number of these players. Um, but who would bring I'm that? Who would bring that, Bernie? Because they are there. Well, you <laughs> know, here's, here's the problem. <laughs> you know, where is the inspector general? Where is the Office of Professional Responsibility? 
where is where is the attorney general? I mean, I, I get the fact that he recused himself on this Russia stuff, but he is where where is he? Like you know, where are the people that are supposed to be overseeing this stuff? And and that's the scary thing because I'm going to tell you something. When I listen to you and Scott talk, I, I'm going to tell you. If this was a police department or a state police agency, any law enforcement agency in this country, there would be an internal investigation. People would be suspended. People would be put on hold. They're talking about McCabe retiring. Really? Yeah. In the middle of a congressional investigation over corruption and all this incestuous, unethical behavior? Yeah. Somebody's going to let this guy retire before that's concluded. That would never happen in a police department or a state police agency ever. Listen, ever. Got, everything would be put on hold. I got to cut it right there, unfortunately. But uh, do you guys have hope that, that uh, just real quick, like five, yes or no, do, is there hope that uh, the president will make it through this, uh, this really interrogation process that's going on with his career as a president uh, and through Mueller? Yes, I think he'll make it. I, I think he'll get through it. Okay. Hey, listen, God bless both of you guys for all your service. I can't ever say that enough. Thank you for coming on here and uh, telling the people the truth and have a happy new year. I know neither one of you will be in Times Square, I don't think. <laughs> you got it. God bless you guys. This is Jonathan Gill. I'm filling in for my good buddy, Sean Hannity, on the Sean Hannity Radio Show. 800-941-7326. Go get my book, Sheep No More, The Art of Awareness and Attack Survival. We'll be right back. This is Jonathan Gillum, your resident Navy SEAL, Federal Air Marshal, security contractor, and FBI special agent, and now author of a book called Sheep No More, The Art of Awareness and Attack Survival. And i got to tell you, I talked to a lot of truck drivers that have been waiting for a book like this, especially with this new electronic log that's coming out. So this will help you be aware of where you're going to be. Truckers, trust me, go to Amazon and order this book. This is the Sean Hannity Radio Show. Guess what? We'll be right back. This is Jonathan Gillum filling in for Sean Hannity. And I'm not going to lie to you, I got a cold today. But, man, I wish this cold would manifest my voice into Scott Shannon's voice somehow. Dad, he's got the most amazing voice. He could, like... Wait, can I just tell you one thing? <laughs> so you know how a lot of people ask the question, does that person really talk like that yeah. in real life? Right. Let me tell you something. I have talked to Scott a thousand times. <laughs> he's a friend He's a dear friend of Sean's. I've known him for years. I've known him since I was an intern. That is exactly how he talks in real life. <laughs> when you call him on the phone and he and you say hello, he's like, "Hey, Linda." It's just like, I can't "Is this even Linda do it. from the Sean Hannity Show?" <laughs> just like, I mean, when Sean was inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame this year, I asked him to do the voiceover. Yeah, and it's just hilarious. It's exactly the way he talks. That entire video. Of that voice. It's just, his voice is unbelievable. At the end of the phone call, does he say, that was Linda, this is Scott Shannon. <laughs> that was an amazing revolutionary phone call. That's my that's my Scott He's Shannon. He's just fantastic. So listen, we were talking a minute ago um, about this book, Sheep No More. Linda's been a big proponent of this book. She's helped me out tremendously with it. And I'm not just saying that because she puts me on the air, because she really has You would never a, do that. <laughs> no, never. And I love the way her accent comes out when she's, you know, being... What is that word? You're you're pouncing. Aggressive. Aggressive. But we had a caller a minute ago. It's very important. Um, it's not 
Sleep No More, which I got on one of these bestseller lists. Wait, and- so far today I've gotten, what is the name of the book? Is it She No More, Sleep No More, Sheep No More? So what I've been saying to folks is it is Sheep No More, like the farm animal. Bad. And I bad to the phone. But, okay, I'm from the South. How did the guy ask you a second ago when he no, called? No, I can't do Just it. Just do a little bit of it. I love this. <laughs> it's so bad. No, it's good. No, because everybody who's from the South is going to get mad at me. I'm, I'm from the <laughs> South, and I won't get mad at you. Trust me. <laughs> because they call me and go, what's he saying? Shay no more. What's he saying? Shay no It's just bad. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, everybody, it's sheep. Sheep no more. That's right. Sheep bad. That was probably on my trucker friends. I made the mistake one time on David Webb's show of saying I was like the Justin Bieber for the truckers. Because I always they love. What? I was joking around. I was like, I'm like the the truckers love me when I come on because I talk to them, and I was like, I'm like the Justin Bieber for truckers, and that stayed with me. It's probably going to stay with me again now. But for like two years, I was like, if we were on Twitter, like, what's up, Justin? Listen, I'm not obnoxious. I can be a little bit, but I'm not that obnoxious. That's like me saying I'm the Denzel of board ops. Okay? <laughs> but you that's, are. Yeah, that's, no one's buying that. You are. If Denzel had a mohawk, that yeah, you would be the Denzel of. Okay, we're listen. Forget about the audience. Let's just have a conversation. Let's talk. <laughs> you know, one thing about this book, though, I will cover before we go back, go, and then we're going to come back here in a little bit with Joe Concha in just a little bit, and we're going to talk about media and stuff. I've been reflecting all day. I did my show, The Experts, at 1 p.m. on Newsmax. I was on Breitbart this morning. Um, I've been reflecting all day on the reality of this past year. <clears throat> and, and politically, I will never... I don't know. I can't see. You can never say never with President Trump, but 2016 election process. Wow. It's going to be hard to top that. Um, 2017 uh, really was the culmination. Um, not so much of President Trump's presidency. I mean, he's got three more years, at least on this run, to basically do the things that he's promised us. And I think he will. He's done a lot, a tremendous amount that hasn't really been publicized because the mainstream media is so crooked, basically. But. In 2016, the the deep state, the we don't really have to guess who the deep state is. They revealed themselves in 2016. And then in 2017, they're revealing more and more of their tactics and how they work. And that's why these special investigators like Mueller that come in, they don't it's not like they look and first of all, why isn't the FBI investigating this stuff? Why do we need special prosecutors? That's the question I always have. Why don't we just have, that's what the FBI is for. I was an FBI agent. They're the ones who investigate uh, Washington, D.C. But for some strange reason, when it's something like this, they got to get a special prosecutor. Well, that is because politicians in the deep state, they want to own this and they want to make sure it works. So it's very similar to a case of entrapment where they are literally creating the cases they go along so they can manufacture the evidence, create the illusion that this is happening or that's happening, and they entrap the person. Fortunately for us, um, we don't have a sheep in the office. We got, he's wily. I mean, he's like, I don't know if he's a wolf or if he's a coyote or what What uh, President Trump would term himself as, a lion. I'm sure he would say a lion. But he's slippery. You know, the, you, the thing about this president, no matter how much people hate him, and most of them are saying stuff when they base their hate, it's based on stuff that they... They really know nothing about him. They just listen to CNN or uh, I don't want to use a, a derogatory term, but I mean, I guess you could just say Brian Stelters instead of calling people incompetent or idiots. From now on, I'm just going to say they're a Brian Stelter. From- 
This is CNN. Don't be a stelter. <laughs> I mean, that guy, when I was at CNN, and listen, I don't mind telling names. I don't mind saying names because here's the reality. I think that they are performing a great injustice to this country. Most of the people that you see in media don't have experience in a whole lot more than just um, you know, being an advisor in a campaign or winning a beauty con- uh, pageant or um, they went to college. That's about it. And then they get on these shows and people, for some reason, just believe that they know what they're talking about. I've had literally on CNN, I've had a legal, uh, the chief legal analyst or whatever it was, uh, Perez, I think is his last name, try to tell me that the security um, response to the mass shooting at the Navy Yards in Washington, D.C. was appropriate. And I was telling him from having been in the FBI and having ran these operations that the way that they were converging on this was not appropriate, that they had literally locked themselves into an area where they couldn't get out if there was going to be multiple shooters other places. But, you know, like millennials that uh, have gone left and like leftists in general, they just will love uh, for you to try to make a point so they can just tell you, no, you're wrong. And they literally believe that. So where am I going with all this? Here's the thing. When we look at uh, the reality of news in this country, when we look at the reality of what's happened over the past year in politics, year in uh, leadership, I guess you could call it, in Washington, D.C., what you're seeing is not reality. It, it is not reality. You are not seeing clear pictures of actually what's happening. And one of the main reasons why you, you continue to see this is because you can't see what is actually happening. They don't allow that, that actual picture to get out. You would literally have to be inside to see what's going on. But here's something that's very interesting I want the people to realize. It's not that much different than any other organized crime group. It's not that much different from any other basic criminal out there, except that they own an intelligence agency. Whereas the mafia may own a couple of hitmen that can beat somebody up, these guys own an intelligence agency and they get people to swear allegiance to them. It's a big difference, but overall, the tactics, techniques, procedures, and the motivations of self-indulgence and self-importance are very similar, no matter what type of criminal uh, that you're looking at. So we're going to take a break in uh, just a second, and I want to I want to come back and get some calls, so I'm going to go ahead and take a break, and uh, I want you to go and get my book, Sheep No More, The Art of Awareness and Attack Survival. One thing about being aware is once you develop the awareness, it's like a Pandora's box. It just starts to unfold. And like I said, the truckers going down the road, cops, if if you have this book, cops, and you go up and you see you have a woman who's been beaten up, just give them that book. Give them that book. This book should be in all battered women's shelters. This book should be in all school libraries. This book should be in every member of Congress's hands. And if you get it, you'll see what I'm talking about. It's available in audio and in Kindle, in case you don't want to turn pages for some reason, and it's available in paperback, which I suggest because you can actually carry the book with you, take notes on it, and look at your life this way. Sheep no more. Sheep. Bye. Sheep no more. The art of awareness and attack survival. This is the Sean Hannity Radio Show. We're going to come back. I'm going to get a couple of your calls. We'll be right back. This is Jonathan Gillum filling in for my good buddy Sean Hannity on the Sean Hannity Radio Show, 800 941 Seven three two six. I want to go to a couple of phone calls real quick. Let's see. 
Let's go to Phil in St. George, Utah. Go ahead, Phil. Yes, good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. You got it, buddy. Yes, uh, I'm a uh, Vietnam-era uh, vet, uh, uh, Marine Corps, and uh, uh, perhaps a little derogatory uh, hook for your book is uh, you're either the sheep or the sheepdog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah no, I agree with, I agree with you. I, I'm trying to make sheepdogs out of people so they well, won't be sheep anymore. Uh, that runs through my head every time I leave the house. Yeah. yeah. Well, you should get it and then give me a review and let me know honestly what you think. I mean, see, you're the type of person that I really do want the feedback because if I if I have to alter this in any way, if people aren't getting it, um, I need to know if the the other people out there that get it that understand awareness you know, think that I'm sharing what needs to be shared. Well, I've been in the Marine Corps for quite a while, and uh, uh, I was one of my duty stations was uh, HMX-1 President's Helicopter Unit. But uh, at any rate, the, the reason I'm calling, I'll be very uh, uh, brief here. The reason I'm calling is I want to find out I, uh, either uh, either uh, I've missed completely or uh, it hasn't been spoke of at all. What is going on in this country uh, legislatively uh, either happened or happening for the veterans of this country? Well, I'll tell you something. You, that is an excellent question. And I was actually a little intimidated when I looked at that question. But I know in reflecting in some stuff, um, I've interviewed um, Secretary uh, Shulkin uh, three times over the past year. And I know one thing is that you have a, a Secretary of the VA that is in tune with veterans. He's in tune to, to the, the to the um, the fact that they tried uh, to cut out uh, a specific amount of money that was going to go towards homeless vets, and the veterans raised such an uproar about that that they put it back in. Now it w- it was a mistake to try to take it out to begin with, but I like having somebody there that listens to the veterans. That is probably the biggest thing that's been done. Uh, the other thing is. After talking to him, there's a lot of stuff in place that they're moving towards. I think there's probably stuff that's getting done that's just not being verbalized properly. Again, that's one of my biggest criticisms for the White House. But, you know, they're moving towards uh, the, the proper treatment in the VA. They're still looking at whether or not they're going to uh, have uh, the health care for veterans that uh, where they give them a card and they're able to go to hospitals. They're still working on all this stuff. The, you know, look— Bill, here's the biggest problem with how veterans are treated in this country. I can't really say that it's the president as much as it is Congress and their insistence on a speedy fix. You know, I think the president showed that he can get things done rapidly and he can make Congress work together. That's how he got this tax plan passed before Christmas. But I don't see the same type of ferocious attack when it comes to uh, formulating a solution to all these problems of veterans. I really don't. There's only, we're only 1% of the population, you know. Phil, you there? Well, <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm, I'm listening. Uh, I'm listening with every uh, ounce of uh, uh, ears I've got uh, after the 155s. Uh, anyway, um, the uh, uh, I'm in St. George, Utah. I'm uh, uh, 300 miles away one way and 100 miles away from Vegas the other way. But uh, uh, the health care 
uh, I mean, I've got every health issue that you can think of that uh, became of Agent Orange uh, and uh, uh, I am uh, just, you know, I mean. Well, see, uh, let me let me yeah. say let me say this, Phil. Let me say this. What I would like to see when it comes to health issues, you know, I'm dealing with this issue in my leg. I was treated at the VA. They did a fantastic job. I would like to say this to Shulkin. Um, I believe in I believe in the president. We have to look at the VA as two different beings. You have the medical experts, and then you have the uh, the bureaucracy. It's like the it's like the DMV. Um, people show up with the same ideology as the DMV that work there a lot of the times, and so we have to differentiate. We have to get those standards in place where people can actually. Uh, that are working there and support are on a professional level like the medical people. And here's the other thing. I'd never been to the VA. I go to the emergency room there, and I was appalled at how many veterans walked in and act like jerks to people. And that, to me, is one of the biggest things that could change um, in the VA is stop going in there assuming they're going to screw up and treating them like they're going to be bad. I mean, that's that was I was appalled by that. I almost, at one point... I almost stood up and told this one guy to shut up because I was so infuriated um, because he was in there wanting a doctor's note for something, this or that. But listen, um, Phil, I don't know if I answered your questions, but I'm glad that we brought it up because if the word gets back to the president, we want to know. There are people legitimately asking what is being done for veterans. This is Jonathan Gill and Phil. Thank you. God bless you. And thank you for your service, my friend, my brother, and all the Marines that are out there. We'll be right back. Make sure if you get a chance, go to Amazon, get Sheep No More, The Art of Awareness and Attack Survival. You will know the, the, the name of this book by the end of this show. I will guarantee it will be right back. This is Jonathan Gillum. I'm the guy that's bringing you the inspired and bold solutions today. And I'm going to bring my buddy Joe Conch on in one second. I'm sitting here looking at some emails that uh, they're reporting that were uh, found on Uma Abedin's computer. And uh, let's see, I have one email two, three, four. That one's a long one with nothing on it. None of these really have anything on it. Oh, with the exception of it says classified on the bottom. So I guess really the information that's been redacted in this case is not so important as the one, two, three, four, at least four that I have right now that, um, are classified on Uma Abedin's. These were actually on Anthony Weiner's computer, um, which was, or still is, Uma Abedin's. What difference at this point does it make? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what difference it makes. Was that Justin Trudeau? <laughs> I can never tell them apart. <laughs> I'm just chilling in Cedar Rapids. <laughs> so... um. You know, here's the deal, folks. Uh, I talked about this at nauseum today on Newsmax on my show, The Experts. And there is a different set of rules for uh, the the ruling elite in this country and the rest of us. Because, listen, I would be in jail. I don't care if I've been out of the bureau five years or 20. They found on a computer, like let's say I, something happened and they had to go into my computer and they found classified emails on there. You're kidding me? I'd be in jail. I'd be charged with this. Um Let's bring Joe Concha on. Let's talk about all the things that have happened this past year, the way the media has, um, you know, worked with this. And Joe, I don't know if you heard me there just a second ago. 
Uh, I did a week of my show that I started in my apartment on Newsmax this week, The Experts. Um, we're, we're still kind of talking to see if it gets picked up or not. But uh, you used to have a show called The Rap, which I used to be on there all the time. I would I'd literally I'd love to see him bring that show back. I love that show. The Daily Rap. You're bringing back some memory. Is it 2015 <laughs> glory days of Rick Unger and John Gilliam and uh, the, the, Jonathan? Sorry. That's very right. disrespectful for me not to go with the full name. Uh, and we had the Heather Hunter and the Brad Hurstfields and yeah. Carl Higbees. I mean, we oh, had some, we had some good guests. You love Higby, I know. Oh, yeah. We're uh, close friends. <laughs> well, you're both SEALs, right? Oh, yeah. We oh, All God, SEALs baby. love each other. Oh, that's funny. But so they do this show from your bedroom, huh? This this is like uh, that that the Truman Show with no, Jim Carrey. It, like the Trues. What's that guy's name? Um, the the um, gosh, I'm forgetting his name now. He's uh, the actor. Looks like a rock star, and he's uh, British, and always uh, always that narrows it down. Always greasy. <laughs> he does a thing called the Trues, uh, and he does it from his bed. No, this is not for my bed. I actually have a studio in my apartment. But now, you, you know, we're clothed, right? I mean, th- this is a uh, show on the up and up. It's Newsmax, so I assume it's family friendly. It, oh, very family friendly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, crazy. it's like this radio show, but condensed to an hour. <laughs> I'll have I, you on. I can't wait to see this. I'll have you on. What time? You got to, this, is, this is where you actually have to promote it. Well, Go we ahead. did it at 1 p.m. Uh, this week. It's going to be on 1 p.m. Fr- uh, Monday. But uh, from that point forward, you know, I don't know. I don't know yet. So they're trying out several different shows. I'll make a call to uh, somebody with the initials of CR and say, "Look." Well, I challenged all the, I challenged them all to a uh, facial hair grow off today, so we'll see. I need to do that here on this show. I'd love to right. see. Uh, I'd love to see the back hair that you have to start. Russell Brandt, yeah. About. yeah, yeah, Rus- Russell Brandt, that's the guy. <laughs> Russell Brandt. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, okay. that was very successful. And you guys are very much alike. Yeah, oh, yeah, we're totally, totally like <laughs> he and I. Okay, what are we so, talking about? So let's talk about <laughs> right now. Nothing. Let's talk about. <laughs> Let's talk about the news. You know, um, we we know a lot of the same people in the news. Uh, I'm no, I'm not going to say anything about your personal feelings about people, but I'm no fan of Brian Stelter. I don't know how this guy went from being an entertainment reporter to C- one of CNN's like um, go to people when they they want to criticize the president and all things Trump. They go to him as as, as though he has reliable sources, as he says. Let me ask you. With this, this in the news, where people make this jump from, you know, uh, not such an expert in anything to all of a sudden being a uh, talking head, where they're actually analyzing this stuff. How well, bad? Let me, let me be fair to let me be fair to Brian Stelter. I mean, he he's always been a media reporter. He started a blog back when he was in college, yeah. and then made the jump to New York Times and then CNN. So he, I don't know if he's ever really been an entertainment reporter. He, he's always mainly focused on media. Um, so yeah, he should he should talk about media. I, I think where Brian gets in a little trouble is he ends up becoming a uh, political pundit or armchair psychiatrist when it comes to the president's mental health, and and that's where I think <laughs> some folks at home, and that's not not just Brian Stelter. It's it's a lot of people in this business where suddenly they're becoming experts at things that they never had any sort of education right. in before and we're suddenly and not, not just the president's mental fitness Jonathan is being analyzed but Steve Schmidt who uh, who was the campaign manager for John McCain in 2008 during his presidential campaign questioned the president's mental uh, physical fitness right. said he had a physical impairment when he got some dry mouth during one speech a couple of weeks ago and since then clearly when you see Trump speak there's no problem there you know you speak enough you're going to run into some problems uh, once in a while and then people start to say well he clearly has a physical impairment they start to talk about how he has to be removed from office and that's why people hate the media so much because you got people talking about things where they have no friggin idea what they're talking about I know and it it is 
it is so rampant where you have that type of analysis and those crazy, stupid, fake stories. And then on the other side of it, one thing I really want to ask you about, Mediamite, Salon.com, these other, um, the one that really uh, cracks me up uh, is um, the the one where they try to verify everything, whether it's true or not. Facebook was using them uh, to verify stuff. Um, These different, they're all left-leaning. But with Mediate, they're dangerous as far as, as, uh, I know you've done stuff for Mediate. Um, I wrote for him for years. Yeah. You get me in trouble, but go ahead. I, no, I'll no. Try to be honest. When, when they go and they report stuff out of context, it is uh, not only infuriating, but it's dangerous. It's dangerous because it leads people down a road where they're more and more susceptible to these uh, narratives that are based on lies. I, I don't know specifically the mediaite story. Uh, you know, what, I shouldn't say media might as much as media matters. I'm sorry, I'm getting the two. Oh, concerned. media matters. Media matters. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a different story. But mediaite's done it too to me before. But media matters is the one that's dangerous. Uh, well, because they're they're weaponizing uh, movements against conservatives, right? It, this has been very well documented. I, I recommend to anybody if you're looking for some good winter reading, snuggle up by a fire and and get. Uh, Cheryl Atkinson's new book, uh, The Smear, and she goes into great detail. And, and Cheryl Atkinson's no conservative, right? She used to write about the Bush administration in very unglowing terms, in terms of, and not just because of an opinion. She actually did research on things like Halliburton contracts during the Iraq War. So she's tough on both administrations, whether it was Bush or Obama. And now she writes a book about how there are millions of dollars and tons of resources thrown at. And look, we saw it with Sean Hannity, the guy you're filling in for today. Uh, campaigns targeted at advertisers trying to shame them into not advertising on certain shows anymore because they don't like the message, the messenger, and they want to take him out. And they were successful with, with, with uh, Bill O'Reilly, clearly, when, when those allegations first came out. They got 50 advertisers, not them, but, but many people on the left got 50 advertisers to boycott that show, and then Fox really had no choice. And it was Sean Hannity. That effort's done almost on a daily basis by Media Matters, and it's just wrong. It's censorship. And I, I just think that you know we was, people have to stand up and start to call them out for what they are, but the millions are going to keep flowing into that organization, and it's not going to stop anytime soon. You know, I started a thing um, called the CQRF, the Constitutional Quick Reaction Force. And so uh, what I did was I tried to get people rallied um, that wouldn't necessarily rally uh, behind somebody like Sean or other people, myself, on social media. And I would love to see this, uh, the, the, the gist of the, the bulk of conservatives in this country get together. And when they do this fake story on Media Matters, uh, there's always uh, there's always a... Uh, a whole list of the comments by these leftists afterwards. And those are the same trolls that will go on Sean's Facebook page or on his Twitter feed or on the president's thing and put a bunch of yellow bananas and all this nonsense on there. Very derogatory, very nasty. But I would love to see uh, unification in the dialogue of conservatives to go on there and just troll these people. Just because they get they go from zero to a thousand in anger. They just cannot handle it. Well, yeah, that, that's that's very interesting, right? I mean, we saw the zero to a thousand uh, with anger as far as Vanity Fair, and they do this harmless SNL kind of right. benign skit 
on Hillary Clinton and some habits that she should pick up for 2018, like New Year's resolutions, like knitting and walking in the woods more. In other words, stop doing book tours and stop talking. Well, she doesn't talk about, but there's enough speculation around Hillary Clinton running in 2020. Right. Uh, and, and, and the vitriol from, from the left on that was the same thing we saw with Jimmy Fallon when he had candidate Trump on his show. And he did a normal interview, and he actually tried to mess up his hair, and he humanized him, and it got great ratings. And ever since then, Jimmy Fallon's basically been ostracized, and, and a lot of people have gone to Stephen Colbert as a result. So, yeah, if you're kind to this administration in any capacity, whether it be Fallon or if you're a journalist, you actually say good things about the administration in terms of accomplishments, whether it be the ISIS caliphate being destroyed, whether it be the economy roaring, whether it be judicial appointments, whatever, you're going to be ostracized. And if you go after somebody like Hillary Clinton or the left, particularly if you're Vanity Fair, when you're expected only to attack conservatives, you're going to be ostracized or shamed to an apology, which Vanity Fair eventually had to issue. It's pathetic how cowardly we are in this business in terms of not wanting to call out both sides. Yeah. Well, I, I think when we talk about the business, though, the bulk of the business is left. They're leftists, so they're just. It's not that they don't. They're not afraid that they're afraid to. They're just not going to call out themselves. Same thing happens in the deep state with all these people up when you know when Hillary Clinton goes before Congress uh, for a hearing. It's twelve hours, and then she walks away, and everybody's like, "That didn't amount to anything," because they don't want to eat their own. Yeah, I think, you know, we talk about safe spaces a lot, and we all have our safe spaces now. We're all going to our little corners and just having our own beliefs validated, and, and no one wants to even hear about the other side. And, and, and you're right. I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter. With the, with the left particularly, it, it compromises out the window now, right? I'd be fascinated, Jonathan, to see what happens this year when President Trump wants to get infrastructure done. And that's a Democratic issue. You're a Republican supposed to do these big spending plans in terms of improving our crumbling infrastructure, and Democrats are going to have to work with him. But there are these things called the midterms happening in November, so they don't want him doing something where he gets credit. So I want to see if it Really, if people believe in what they say they believe in, if Democrats really believe in infrastructure, let's see if they really do work with President Trump in terms of passing something. I have a feeling that the whole thing is just going to crumble and, and, and everybody's going to point fingers and nothing's going to get done. No problem solved. And that's our big problem right now. I, I mean, listen, that's what you just said is typical of D.C., but that's not really typical of Trump. Let me, so let's do this. Let's take a break real quick. I'm going to hold you over if that's OK for a few minutes. Come back from the break. And let's just cover, cover a little bit more of the stuff that's happened this past year. And, like, for instance, who nobody even knows a lot of the stuff that Trump's done because it doesn't get reported by mainstream media. But hold on, Joe. We'll come right back. This is Jonathan Gillum filling in for Sean Hannity on the Sean Hannity Radio Show. You can find me on Twitter, jgilliam underscore seal, and on Facebook at Jonathan T. Gilliam. I'm like the trucker. I'm going to go ahead and say it again. I'm like the trucker's Justin Bieber. That's why they should go out and buy my book. Sheep No More, The Art of Awareness and Attack Survival. It's Friday. I'm having fun. We'll be right back. This is Jonathan Gillum filling in for Sean Hannity. The Sean Hannity Radio Show. You can find me on Twitter, jgilliam underscore seal, and then on Facebook, Jonathan T. Gilliam. You can also find me on on um, YouTube, same name, and Instagram. But I don't really do a whole lot on Instagram. I'm not really I – don't, I don't know. We've gone down this weird narcissistic road. Speaking of narcissists, Joe Conch is joining me again. Hello. <laughs> hey, listen, buddy. What do you think is the biggest story of 2017? I mean, that's a hard question to ask or answer. Repeat the question again, Johnny. What's the biggest story of 2017? Go. Oh, President Trump. I mean, it's so obvious. I just filed a story, actually, where we did the top 10 stories of 2017, and that was easily uh, the answer. It starts off at the inauguration, uh, and it goes through just the most chaotic. I'll, I'll give you a little uh, inside uh, 
baseball here. With the Hill editors in mind, I work for the Hill, obviously, as a media reporter. We were trying to condense the top ten stories of this year, and we are trying to decide what goes on that list. And I swear, John, I mean, we couldn't come down to 20 before we start, in other words, there's so many different things that happened. Uh, in, in terms of President Trump, here you have a guy who's about 40% approval in the real clear politics average. He ended the year with great momentum in terms of the tax bill, and he had a lot of accomplishments that, that our media simply did not report, whether it be, uh, you know, the not just Judge Gorsuch, forget that with the Supreme Court, but all the circuit court judges that he was, was able to install at an historic rate, right? Uh, the economy doesn't get too much play, even though we've had 3% GDP. GDP growth for two consecutive quarters. And with this tax bill, that could very easily extend to four or six consecutive quarters, which is going to make the 2018 midterms very interesting if you have a strong economy. And you could just go on and on. The ISIS caliphate, I think, is the most underrated story in terms of that being destroyed. So we could talk about that. So, yeah, obviously, President Trump dominated the news like no other president has in any year in any history. And he is easily the number one story, good, bad, ugly, polarizing, in your face, whatever you want to say, depends on how you voted, I guess is how, do you, how you look at him, uh, he was the dominant force and everything revolved around him. Now, um, that's interesting because I, I feel like that is the case. What do you think, though, about, from your perspective, I think this guy's a hero, Ronan Farrow and what he did. I mean, if there's one person besides Trump that you got to pick that really threw a wave in or a rock and caused a massive wave in an area where nobody else had had the guts to do that, that was pretty incredible what he did. Ronan Farrow was an MSNBC host. They put him on, like you, he was on at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And, you know, I'd watch him and be like, "Ah, you know, this kid just doesn't have it as a host. But his reporting was always, you know, pretty strong. And, you know, sometimes you just got to find what your niche is. And sure enough, he goes ahead with this Weinstein story. And at the park. Joe, I got to cut it. You don't have enough. You don't have enough. And he went to another publication and got it published anyway. And he started that whole movement that you're seeing now. Got to go. Got to go, buddy. Good to see you. You got it, my friend. Joe Concha. This is John the Gill and Fielder for Sean Hannity. Get my book, Sheep No More, The Art of Awareness and Attack Survival. We'll be right back. Jonathan Gill and Fielder for my good buddy, Sean Hannity, 800-941-7326. We purposely, Linda and I sat down today and we said, we need to give callers a chance to talk. I know we don't do a lot of calls on this show. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But I want to give some callers uh, time to uh, talk about this year in, in uh that's gone by really fast to try to actually tell you the truth and really strange year a lot of great successes um kind of uh coupled with uh huge issues and problems and like i'm being successful in many different ways in my professional life but yet i've got a leg that i practically crushed on a scooter so uh, how many of you can say that so let's go to let's go to stacy in new york Stacy, in New York, go ahead. Hi, how are you? So I got your book, Sheep No More, and I haven't read it yet, obviously, because I just got it. Yeah. But I want to know what to tell kids. Yep. Because I have three kids, and I'm always thinking. How old are they? If they get in uh, 12, 9, and 6, obviously okay. the youngest is going to be hard, but, you know. I'm going to write a book for them next. I'm actually going to get a book for them uh, next. Um, I'm actually oh, really? working on that right now. Yeah, that in a journal, so you can put this stuff out. Those are the two things that I that I want to give people so they can use what you what you're going to see in the book. But let me let me uh, let me tell you this about about kids because I was one. 
as we all were. <laughs> so I remember at nine years old being completely aware of the world. I, I specifically remember that. I grew up very poor, and so I had a lot of uh, very um, big memories of certain incidents that happened when I was younger. And nine years old, I was completely aware. Six years old, I'm still learning. But here's the key to this. It's With the six-year-old, it's the what-if game. Hey, what if this happened? What if somebody came up to you and slowly developed the standard operating procedures with them on how they react? With the nine-year-old and the 12-year-old, you literally can sit down with them and talk to them about who would want to attack, what kinds of attacks would happen, uh, why those people would want to attack, where it could happen, when it could happen, and how it could be carried out. I mean, most kids at nine years old now have seen stuff on TV about terrorism. They've understood uh, that uh, sexual predators or pedophiles are out there. And I think they can be shown some of these things. And as I lay out in the book, in order for you as a parent to teach this, you have to be aware of it. And I think ultimately that's the thing. I mean, look, whether people read my book or not, uh, here's the gist of this. And I want you to go into 2018. I wrote it so people would be um, empowered in this country. I can't can't understand why the, the government says, if you see something, say something. But they don't tell you what to look for or where to look for it. So my goal is to, is to empower you. And as a, a parent, you probably have about, you know, five to seven sectors in your life. You know, you, you wake up in the morning um, and you're there at, at home. And then uh, your commute to work. You put the children. They go to their next sector. Uh, you commute to work. If you do go to work or you're at home, um, you commute back. The kids come back. Everybody's at home. Um, then when you're sleeping, that's another sector. If you go out to a stadium and arena, that's a sector. Church, any of these uh, any of these places that you go, whether it be eat and you go there quite a bit, each one of these things have their own threat. They have their own vulnerabilities. They have their own areas where bad guys will target. And some people, like sexual predators, um, will take a, a period of time, whether it's you know the guys like Harvey Weinstein or Matt Lauer, or some creep that works in office, they're going to take time to develop um, their their plan of attack, their target package on whoever they're going to go after. Same thing with pedophiles that will work their way into a family. You Once you learn that, you can then communicate that with the children. And then in cases like um, when it comes to the Manchester attack where uh, the uh, Ariana Grande concert was uh, attacked, if you... If you understand the people that will attack you and you look at uh, the history of how they carry out attacks and when things change, like 9-11, it became modified. You know that if something happens on a plane, it's probably not going to go to Cuba and say, let me off, right? So your your mind changed as well when their uh, tactics evolved. So you have to change the way you think. In Manchester, had uh, the people realized that uh, these terrorists were there, and they were looking for more targets. You could have said to yourself, if I was an attacker and I'm going to this uh, stadium and arena, where is the most likely place that these people are going to congregate? And you would have figured out at the end where it's least secured and told your kids, stay there until it's over with and wait 10 minutes or leave early, and I'll pick you up down here where nobody else is at. So once you get this mindset, uh, Stacy, you can then start to communicate that to your children in the language that you have with them. Yeah, because I think I have the mindset, but it's just trying to translate that to them and say, like, you know, if there's a threat at school when you're not going to be there, 
Yeah. You know, a teacher's going to tell you one thing, but that may not be the best thing. Well, you there, know? there's one of these schools. I don't remember which one. Forgive me for that. But there was a six-year-old kid that when the shooting happened, he had already his parents said, if anything like that ever happens, get out of the school and run. That kid ran and ran like Forrest Gump, and he lived. Other kids died. I did see that. So, <laughs> yeah. That's so, what I said to my son. I said, don't cower in a... In a closet with all your schoolmates, you get out and you go. There's escape, so, evade, and run, or fight. Excuse me, escape, evade, and fight. Running doesn't really give you a tactical understanding. Um, when you escape, you're trying to get out of there as fast as possible. You may have to stop and take cover or concealment. You need to know the difference between those two. Uh, evading means you're going to hide, but you're going to continue to move. And uh, we preach, um, you know, shelter in place, and I don't like that terminology. Uh, but also, you know, sometimes for yourself, you may have to fight. And if you wait, um, like if you're for teachers and somebody walks in their room, they drop a a backpack on the ground and they start fishing through it five minutes after class has started, that's not normal. And teachers should be allowed to react to that. And I'm telling you, they don't let you carry a gun. Uh, there's going to be, um, uh, I don't know, a metal ruler or a stapler that's going to be bashed over somebody's head. Uh, we need to start thinking like that, but you can't think like that if you don't understand what's normal and what's not. And that's what this book does. Yeah, I can't. I will definitely get your other book. Like you said, I've already got through Sheep No More. I just haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I, I definitely want some of our kids because I, you know, yeah. I'm like we need something for that because I'm not a liberal and I'm not going to tell my kids, oh, yeah, this is not going to happen. Right. He knows the real world happens. He listens yeah. to Sean. He listens to things like that, and he's like, why don't people know about the real world? And I'm like, I'm glad you do, but I want you to know more. Well, Stacy, first of all, you're a super mom because it sounds like you might be conservative and you live in New York. So, listen, I'm here in New York as well, so now I know there's at least another one here. <laughs> so, God bless you. Listen, Stacy, I'm going to run. Um, God bless you and your children. Make sure that when you go through that, if you have any questions, Find me on Twitter or on Facebook. Direct message me. I will I will answer questions if I have time. So don't uh, don't be afraid okay. to reach out. Great, uh, I appreciate that. Have a great New Year. Let's go to uh, is it Dino in Texas? Yes, this is Dino. Dino, great name. Tell your parents thank you for that name. That's a great name. Yes, um, I got I got teased a lot. You know, when I was younger too, I got I was bullied, and because um, I was a runt. But I got tired of it, and I went on a bully hunt, and I lasted for about five years. Yeah, and they they didn't they didn't mess with me. Eight out of ten of them were all tough. I love it. Two, two of them, two of them that I had to fight. They say I'm just just throwing a number out there. I lost half of them, but they respected me. So I respect they, you. <laughs> I want you on my um, side, Dino. Yeah, but anyways, I I did five tours. I did a tour in Desert Storm, three in OEF, one in OIF. And um, when I go to establishments, yep. especially with, it's funny on dates too, because I'm single, happily divorced. Um, um, I always tell them, "Hey, just understand that I just think, I always say like this: break it down. Think of the Jason Bourne speech. Um, I have to sit facing the door. Yeah. Um, I see people in. I got to look at them and check them out as they walk by me. And um, I'm always, always, I'm always keeping my eyes scanning because I don't know any better. Because when I I was a civil for officers, and we had to do these computer engagements. And we always had to be careful because um, we could be taken out like that. Yeah. You know, because we're, we're, we're busy talking and engaging to the key leaders, all that stuff like that. And we always had to be careful. But we, ha- we had to keep it a non-threatening pose. 
so me out of the habit, I always kept my hand close to my M4s. I had them low ready. Um, but you had to know I, where the you had to know where the threat was coming from and who the threat who posed the threat and what vulnerabilities exactly. they could mitigate. Exactly, because you know we were doing these leader engagements on the Afghan side of the FOPs, and you know the the green on blue issues they were having over there. And we had, when I was there in 2013, we had several of them happen. Yeah. So that was always in the back of my head. It, it, I don't be that guy. So I do that. Most girls laugh at it. Um, some girls don't understand. Some girls think I'm checking other people out because literally I'm looking at people as they walk in because right. I'm sizing them up. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to be like Jason Bourne. Oh, I can run that two miles and before I know what, my hands are shaking and all that sort of that, you know. But I always tell them, I, 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 know, I like to know what's going on and keep my situation awareness up. So I'm in the process of reading your book, yeah. but I had I had to take a break because I had to resume resume uh, hit my book. So I'm a I'm a I'm a published novelist myself. Awesome fiction yeah, uh, fiction novelist. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, I took a five day break and I read about mm, about read about two chapters of your book and then I I got tired of sitting around doing nothing. <laughs> you know, get the audio book then. <laughs> yeah, um, I listen to music when I write. So, anyways, if I can do a quick plug, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. I'm Dino Gutierrez. I'm the, I'm the novelist for Stranded, The Long Journey Home. It's a fiction based on um, when, when the craft hits the fan, and um, a father and son has to get back to southeast Texas from Yellowstone. Got it. So, Got it. All right, brother, listen, I'm going to let you go because I'm going to try to get – well, let me, I, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to fill some people in on some stuff. God bless you. Thank you for your service, Dino. Love the name. And listen, I forgot to say this to Stacy. Stacy is a second ago when you called – I've got a, a buddy in Texas, and we've been talking a lot about this. Um, he owns a company called Vets Manufacturing. It's, if you go online, it's V-E-T-S-M-F-G. And he makes uh, really lightweight body armor that you can put in your kids' backpacks. Um, also, you can carry it in, in your purse. You can get um, different types of first aid packs that you can put in your purse as well or the backpacks. And that will. And these things, uh, it's amazing what they'll stop. Uh, and up to a shotgun. So it really does give you um, some protection, more than you would have. And if your kid is running away, he's got a backpack on it, or they can turn around and face uh, the threat if they have to with that backpack and actually um, really get uh, some security there. Uh, you can go to vetsmfg.com uh, and put in JTG, that's my initials, JTG10, and you'll get a 10% discount. So I'm not just plug in his stuff i think this is something real along with awareness every advantage that you can get take it and vets mfg v-e-t-s mfg.com go on there and look at all stuff also truckers he's thinking about you and he's putting some stuff together that's also bulletproof that truckers may want to check out so go check that out jtg10 is the code and then get the book sheep no more the art of awareness and attack survival you put all this stuff together with the awareness and the knowledge of how attackers think, I'm telling you, folks, you're going to mitigate the majority of attacks that would happen to you. I don't care if it's sexual harassment, pedophiles, terrorists, robbers. You can outthink them all. They're not that smart. This is Jonathan Gillum filling in for my good buddy Sean Handy on the Sean Handy Radio Show. We'll take a break. We're going to come back and finish it up, and then I'm not going to talk for a week so I can rest my voice. We'll be right back. This is Jonathan Gillum. And, man, this show couldn't end quick enough because my voice is, like, right there on the edge of disappearing. But it was worth it. It was totally worth it. This week and this year have been so phenomenal um, for me 
in so many different ways. And one of the ways was because Linda and Sean have invited me to be on here. Um, believe it or not, I wrote a book in two months and got it published. I mean, I don't know how many people can do that. I wrote that book as a long time coming. I mean, I've been thinking about this book for over 10 years, but it just culminated when I finally got a, a uh, publisher that said, oh, yeah, we'll do it, but you got to do it within two months. And so I did it. I sat down, had two beer, two to three beers every night, and a pot of coffee at about 10 o'clock at night, and I pumped that thing out, which was nothing compared to reading it. Five and a half, five hours, 53 minutes is the audiobook, and it was a month it took me to read that thing. So I'll just put it to you this way. I may have some problems saying certain words because I have a southern accent, and it's mixed with New York. I don't know. I'm, again, transparency. We're in the end of the year with transparency. But I want to say thank you to all the people that listen to the show whenever I'm on, the feedback I get, the truckers that are out there, the moms that are out there, um, the, the cops, the uh, other SEALs. I can't thank you enough for the feedback. It, I take it all seriously. I try to answer your emails, and I want to have more of a personal relationship than most people who are in media would have because I want to tell the truth, and I want to know if you get it. That's the important part of it. Also, if you know more than I do, I need to know that. I'm not above somebody telling me that this is not right or you need to tweak it this way. But if I don't agree, I'm going to come back at you. That's what's going to happen. Listen, you can find me on Twitter, jgilliam underscore seal, and on Facebook at Jonathan T. Gilliam. My show, The Experts, may be on Newsmax permanently. We'll see. Definitely going to be on there Monday at 1 p.m. Go get my book, Sheep No More, The Art of Awareness and Attack Survival. It's on Amazon. I know it says sold out. They'll get it to you. It's on Barnes & Noble and in the bookstores. The truth, whenever you hear me, the truth has arrived. Happy New Year. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.